A1C Church, thanks for tuning in. We have an exciting and inspiring message today from Pastor Jeff. So stay on the edge of your seat and get ready to receive a life-changing word. It is my great privilege and honor today to do something we've never got to do yet, and that's bring in a friend, a mentor, a seasoned veteran of the ministry, someone to bring in a fresh word, because sometimes you got to stir the soil. It's good to have a, a balanced spiritual diet. And folks, I don't know what next week looks like. I'm just being real with y'all. So let's take it today while we can get it. Because there's people at home right now feeling like, man, I wish I was at church and I'm scared to go and they shut me down. And right now they're not shutting us down. So we're going to keep it going. But the gap is getting tighter. So we're going to take it while we can get it. And we feel blessed to assemble in this house. So I want you to stand on your feet, because you already are, and stay on your feet and give the loudest one seed welcome to my friend. And it's an honor and a privilege to announce Pastor Mike Plowen. Hey, it's great to be with you. You can be seated. First of all, I want to thank... Pastor Jeff and Michelle for having me, for entrusting me with this great privilege. You know, one of the things I learned a long time ago was, was uh, you know, I pastored for 25 years. And so uh, when you have someone that stands behind your pulpit, there's, uh, I learned the hard way. You want somebody who you feel you can trust. Okay, and somebody who will um, honor what, you know, in the old times, you used to call it honoring the sacred desk, you know. Um, and so I, I pray today that I bring honor to this sacred desk as I'm here today. And, and uh, thank you all for being here, and especially, you know, in the interesting times that we're living in. It is, it's an interesting day, isn't it, you know. I can almost get cliché-ish. You know, we say that you know, I've lived long enough to, you know, I've been through enough things from, you know, anthrax to Zika, you know, we got A to Z and everything in between, Y2K, all of that, you know. And uh, so, but uh, what I found through that is God's faithful. Amen. He's faithful in all circumstances. He's faithful in all times. And so... Um, you know, it's just, it's just good to, to be people of God and to have something in our souls, something in our lives that we're anchored to that's greater than CNN or whatever, you know. So um, if you have your Bible or you have an electronic device, I'm going to, you know, get into this because um, there's a lot of things I want to share with you in the allotted time that we have. I, I didn't realize, um, you can go to Exodus chapter 13, excuse me. I didn't realize um, at the time when I, when the Lord started, I really felt speaking to me about this portion of scripture, how, uh, because it was before all of the intensity of, especially this last week, um, was brought up. And so um, it really makes more sense to me now of why he began to speak to me about these things. But as you're, as you're finding that portion of scripture, Exodus 13, I want, I want to share with you a couple of things that um, I really felt that the Lord spoke to me back in early January, just within the first few days of January. One of the first things that, that he uh, spoke to me was that he said that uh, 2020 would, um, would be uh, a year of recentering and uncommon opportunities. 
I think we're seeing some of that. Some of the most uncommon opportunities that we we have today that's coming to the forefront that we as a church are kind of being pushed out there to to see. I was sharing with Pastor Jeff, one of my friends at um, one of the churches I work with, you know, they they did, they initiated this thing. They put it out kind of through their their body, but to put it on Facebook, get it out there publicly is one of the things that they said, hey, if you're you're 60 and above or you're, you have some kind of incapacity, you can't get out, hey, we're willing to go out, go grocery shopping for you, run errands for you, do all kinds of stuff like that for you if you don't want to get out. And I thought, well, that, that's what we should be doing, right? That, those are, see, those are some of the uncommon uh, uh, times that we're in that are bringing to the forefront and really causing us to look and see who we need to be as a body of Christ. The other thing was that the Lord spoke to me and he said that, that uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's not so much what 2020 holds. He says, but you need to know that I have a hold of 2020. And those two things have been what I've been rehearsing in my heart, especially this last week. And coming back to that, because those those are the types of things that will keep you from getting all kinds of, you know, confused and fear and all of that stuff. You know, we're to be people of wisdom, right? But we're not supposed to be people of fear, okay? In 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, it says this, but since we belong to the day, but since we're living in this day is really... What Paul's talking about, but since we belong to this the, to the day, let us be sober, not having on the breastplate of right of excuse me, having on the the breastplate of faith, love, and the helmet of hope of salvation. So that word it was interesting. I was reading that just the other day, and that word sober means this: not intoxicated with fear or instability. See, that's the day we're living. A lot of people are living in fear and instability. People are just, I mean, going crazy. (laughs) And that's not who we're to be. Now's the time for us to walk in this steadfastness, with this calm about us, with this resoluteness within us. And that's what people will be drawn to that and say, well, how come you're not all, you know, jacked up like everybody else? Sorry, can you say that here? Can you say jacked up here? Okay. I'm thinking that's probably pretty mild to what some of the stuff Jeff says. But anyway. And see, when we do that, that's one of the things that people will take notice of. And they'll say, why? And then you have an open door. Okay. So, anyway. Do you all find Exodus chapter 13? I'm going to share with you this morning... The title of this message is Perceptions Can't Take You to Purpose. Okay? In Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18, I think they'll have that up there on the screen for you. It says this, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, the people of Israel, remember the story of Moses and Israel leaving Egypt? When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. 
So when I was reading this, I was like, okay, God said they can't, you can't take the shortest route because that has all kinds of enemies and there's going to be battles and, and uh, challenges and you can't go that way. So I'm going to have to take you to the, the long way around this. But then it says, and they left, but they left Egypt like an army. Kind of seemed contradictory, didn't it? But if you really get into this, and, and so I started digging into what this really meant, is that, is that they left Israel, or excuse me, they left Egypt looking like an army. But they weren't prepared to be an army. They left Israel, really what it means is that they left Israel in, in columns of five. Five columns is really what it meant. Which was the way that the, the armies, and especially the Egyptian armies, would go out to battle. They would go out in these massive five columns. And so Israel came out of G Egypt looking like an army. They had the perception of an army, but they weren't prepared to be an army. And so that's why God had to take them in the, raw, the long route. You know, sometimes uh, shortcuts in life can end up being the most difficult and challenging ways to go. We, a lot of times we like to shy away from the, you know, taking the long or the processed way. We want the shortcuts, right? Because we've become a culture that we want everything right now. Right? I mean, I, I get a little frazzled sometimes when I'm sitting here, especially like, you know, I'm sitting at an airport or something, and I'm trying to pull something up on my phone, and it takes like 30 seconds for it to pull up. And I'm like banging my phone on the, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We've become a very impatient people, and so we, we, we always want the shortcuts. But I'll tell you what, the shortcuts can become the most challenging and the most difficult ways to take your life, to live your lives. And so God says, I, I'm, I'm going to take Israel, and I'm going to take them through this long journey because the journey was about developing them into something. It was really about exposing two things. It was exposing them to the love that God had for them, and it was exposing them to understand the trust they needed to have in God because as they lived their life out, as they journeyed through these 40 years, they really realized that they could trust God and that God would show up and be the God of provision, the God of protection, their healer. If you go on a little bit in, in Exodus, you'll see all of this. Exodus 15, God reveals to me, he says, I am, the, I am Jehovah Rapha. What is it? I'm a covenant God of healing. And see, if you don't understand those things, if you miss out on those things, you don't have uh, the ability to stand in the most challenging of times. Because it's what you know of God. It's how you know God is what will keep you. See, the, the things that are rehearsing, uh, the words that I shared with you, what is it? That's because I, I know God. I know God is for me. I, I, one of the things that, that well, the, the scripture that will forever for the rest of my life now be with me is Romans 8.31. If God be for you, who can be against you? I had to live something out. I had to take this journey in my life 10 years ago. I'm not going to go into the whole story, but 10 years ago, uh, on a Thursday night, I had gone upstairs to bed. 45 minutes later, I heard her dog barking. I come downstairs, and I find my wife 
gone, dead, sitting on the couch. She'd passed away, just sitting on, still had the, her laptop on her lap. She'd been working on her laptop, sitting there, gone. That wasn't in my plans. For me to have to go through it was not in my plans. I've been through the valley of the shadow of death. I've been through that dark valley. But I'm here to tell you, I didn't stay there. I've been through it. I went through it. Why? Because God had prepared me little. I didn't even realize how much God had prepared me. But you know the thing that sustained me? Was I, I trusted God. I really meant it when I said, Lord, I trust you. Here's my life. I trust you with it. In those, those initial days and, and weeks, I would wake up every morning. In Romans 8.31, I would either be saying, saying it, wake up. I was either waking up saying it, excuse me, or I was waking myself up saying it. But every morning, and it, just, it wasn't something that I de just decided, oh, I'm going to do this. No, it was in me. Every morning I would wake up saying, if God before me, who can be against me? If God before me, who can be against me? And I realized, even the death of my wife, we'd been married for 33 years. She was the love of my life. Even her death could not be against the trust that I had in God, that he cared for my life, that he had a purpose for my life. That he had a future for my life. See, these are the things or the reasons that why we, we go through the things that we go through. Because the, one of the things that, that I realized is that God had to take them on an inward journey to prepare them for their outward purpose. God is wanting to prepare you on the inside so that you can stand against the challenges that come out here. This is exactly the day we're living in. Because we will either react or respond to the circumstances of our day. And reaction, a lot of times, gets you into trouble. Okay? I learned that the hard way. So I was, I was an executive pastor at a large church up in northwest Missouri for a number of years. And I was leaving there one day. I was driving to a meeting, and I'm driving down a Cook Road. You know, I can tell you right where I was. You know, encounters with God, God mark time and place. And so all of a sudden I heard the Lord speak to my heart, and he said, you react way too much. To which I said, no, I don't. I did. I literally did that. I said, no, I don't. He didn't say anything. It was kind of like point proven. So he said, I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, okay, so, you know, through the process of, you know, the following days, and I, I read through, you know, all the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I got nothing. He said, read it again. So I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I got nothing. He said, read it again. I'm a, kind of a slow learner. I'm steady, but I'm a little slow, okay? So I read again. The third time reading it through, I got to Mark chapter 4, and it was the account of Jesus in the back of the boat. Remember that story? He's in the back of the boat asleep, and the storm comes, and, you know, the, these seasoned fishermen there, they're bailing out water, and they're like, we're going down with the ship. 
And they, so they go back and they wake Jesus. And they, hey, you know what's going on? You know, and Jesus stands up and he says, peace be still. And when I read that, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said, if you will learn to respond rather than react in your life, you'll live with more peace in your life. And my friends, that has been a lesson that has stuck with me low all these years. When opportunity, when circumstances come up, I'm always reminded of that. Earlier this week, I was reminded of that. It's like the Lord said, remember, respond to this, don't react. Respond to this, don't react. And that's what happens through the process. That is what God was trying to teach the Israelites as he took them through this process, this journey of revealing to them his love, his faithfulness, and the trust that they could have with, with him that sustained them. He was a God that, that gave them what the, the manna from heaven, the quail, poured you know, water out of the rock, healed them at the, at the bitter waters. All of these things is how he revealed them to build their trust and their confidence in them so that they could really achieve and go on and accomplish the purpose that God had for them. They couldn't stay just in this form of being an army. They had to become an army. We can't just stay in this form of being Christians. We must become Christ-like. There's a transformation that needs to happen in our lives. Because I'll guarantee, I, I will guarantee you this. Becoming the person that God has purposed and desires for you to be won't happen by you just coming and sitting here in a church service. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It happens by intention. It happens by hunger. How hungry are you for the life that God has for you? There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. See, there were some bitter things that they had to endure on this long road to the promise and the purpose of God. How hungry are you? I have an insatiable hunger for, the, for Christ in my life, for the presence of God. For this relationship, not just knowing about God, but knowing him. I'll, I'll share this. Hopefully it's not too inappropriate. But there again, you're used to Pastor Jeff. So, <laughs> so, so back in my BC days, before Christ days, before Jesus, I was into drugs and alcohol and all of that craziness. And uh, uh, there was uh, one time we were partying, and uh, we got the munchies. Anybody know what the munchies are? One couple hands, okay. The rest of you need to repent from not being honest. But anyway, no, I hope you don't know what the munchies are. I just praise God you don't know. So anyway, the only thing that we had in the house was a can of beets and a quart of vanilla ice cream. You know what I did. I took that, I got me a big bowl of vanilla ice cream, and I opened that can of beets and dumped them over the vanilla ice cream. Why? Because I was hungry. I had an insatiable hunger. 
and although it didn't taste all that great, it's not become part of my regular diet through the years. You know, it's not like I got this, oh, I just love beets over vanilla ice cream. No, it wasn't all that great. But what was it? I was driven by a hunger. There was a hunger that compelled me to do something that I wouldn't ordinarily do or that I wouldn't ordinarily have a palate for. And that's the way that we need to be spiritually. We need to have a spiritual hunger within us that compels us to go outside of the ordinary or, or you know, what, a, what we would think to be comfortable with sometimes into pursuit. Because sometimes, you know, uh, uh, living a life of prayer isn't always comfortable. But, but I'll tell you what, I'm, because I'm hungry, uh, I, I, I'm adamant about having this prayer in my life. In the sense of what's my prayer is that my conversation with God. And I don't make it pragmatic. Oh, I got to get up and, and I got to pray this 20 minutes in the morning from, you know, 4.30 to 4.50 I mean, every morning. My, no, my conversation with God goes on all day long. Because I don't want to sequester a conversation with God to just a, a minuscule part of my day. I want to have this interaction all day long because I encounter all kinds of circumstances. This week, I got all, I was telling Pastor Jeff, I got all kinds, I work with a lot of pastors uh, across the U.S. I got all kinds of calls this week. What do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? You know, and I, I don't want to just give them what I think. Because that and three bucks will probably get you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. But I want to give them the wisdom of God. And in order to give them the wisdom of God, I want to hear what God is saying to me. For them. I don't want to be cookie cutter. Well, this is what everybody's doing. And so a lot of my responses are, well, what are you feeling? What's the conviction? What do you, what do you think? Because there are some who say, well, we really feel we need to gather. I say, well, then that's what you need to do. There are some that, well, we don't think we should think we should do online and how should we do this and blah, 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 blah. So I help them with those details, but that's what you should do. But the whole time I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, what's the best thing for them? You know, Jesus said this to the disciples when he called them early on. A lot of times we read it this way. Jesus called them and said, come follow me and I will take you. That's not what he said. Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you. I will make you into fishers of men. God's desire is the, is the our lives being transformed every day of every week, of every month, of every year, more into this image of Jesus Christ that he's given to us. That doesn't mean I'm going to be Jesus. But I can be more like him in what? In my confidence, my love, the way I love people. Because right now, church, this is one of the greatest seasons that we could ever hope for to express the love of God. By responding to people and not reacting. Responding to circumstances and situations, not reacting. So following Jesus 
Well, let me say this. God is at work in the, the spiritual journey of every generation. Okay? We, we have crossed generations here. God is at work in every one of the, our generations. Developing, showing, process, taking us, strengthening us. So following Jesus is about having your paradigms shift. Anybody know what a paradigm is? Paradigms? It's 20 cents. Paradigms? Okay, enough of the jokes. Following Jesus is about having your paradigm. What is a paradigm? That's the patterns, the way we think, our methodologies, all of that. So following Jesus is about having your paradigm shift as you navigate life's circumstances. Meaning what? We've got to be flexible. We talked about, I, I, the young man that spoke this morning, talked about being flexible about, in a sense of, of meeting people and encouraging people. Just what? Being flexible. As a church, you've got to be flexible in this season. Just because we are, we're not maybe going to do church like maybe you can't do it here every week, but be flexible with that. Don't disconnect. Stay connected. Be flexible. Learn to be. I think that's one of the things that God's exposing to us through all of this is that we need to be people flexible. We become too rigid. You know? It's like I tell people, before you got saved, you'd go out on a Friday night and you would paint the town red. Okay? You can be honest with me. Now you become a Christian. Now we go out on Friday night and we paint the town beige. We just become inflexible and boring. And that's not supposed to be who we are, all right? So you're either going to be flexible and, and, and with all this or this. this I, I was, when I was writing this, this song came. It's an old Otis Redding song. It's one of my, I really love it. It's uh, uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Anybody remember that song? Sitting, no, I'm not a singer, okay, so you might want to edit this. Who's a photography guy? You might want to edit this part of it. But anyway, so it's, the song goes, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away. Or we could say I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, watching life roll away. I'm just sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. Oh, yeah, 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 right. You're all very gracious. See, if we're, not, if we're not engaged, if we're not letting God take us through this process, because, see, we're created for movement. I'll, I'll tell you one of the most frustrating things that, uh, that I experience is when I'm sitting in a place of movement, but I'm not going anywhere. Now, I fly a lot, Okay. One of the most frustrating things is when I'm sitting on an airplane and it's not going anywhere. That tube was made for movement. So I'm flying back. I'd been out speaking on the East Coast, and uh, I'd flew through uh, Newark. Anybody ever been to Newark? If you die without Jesus in your life, you will spend eternity in the Newark airport. <laughs> I'm convinced of that. That's where, or LaGuardia, excuse me, it was LaGuardia. I'm sorry, it was LaGuardia. You're right. And so we're there. The flight got delayed an hour because one of the flight attendants lost her purse in the restaurant she was eating in. So she's trying to find her purse. So these, you know, 150 people are sitting there waiting to go on this airplane. Because, you know, anyway. So we get on the plane. 
It's about a three-hour flight from LaGuardia to St. Louis. We get about halfway into the flight, and the pilot comes on and says, yeah, we're having some minor difficulties, uh, nothing serious, but dispatch wants us to come back to LaGuardia. And when I heard that, I said out loud, oh, hell no. <laughs> Meaning we're going back to hell. So they said, when we get back, we're not going to go to a terminal because if we unload you, we've got to take you through security again and everything. So we're going to go over in this area in the tarmac. There's going to, they're going to have another plane ready, blah, 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 blah. So we go over there, and, and we pull up, and there's like, you know, four, four planes in a row next to where we pulled up. And they said, okay, folks, uh, we got to wait. They're going to bring some buses. We're going to load, you know, load you on these buses and take you to the plane. So I'm thinking, okay, those must be four other broke-down planes. So we're sitting there. We wait for about 45 minutes. These buses pull up. They get us on, and they drive us, like, from here to the end of the building. It was one of those other planes. I'm like, dear Lord, we could have got off and walked. <laughs> Instead of sitting here waiting for 45 minutes, we could have walked to that airplane in five minutes. But no. So, so then they get us all on this airplane. We, say, we sat there for about another 45 minutes, and the pilot came on and said, sorry, folks. Um, for the delay, but we're waiting for them to come refuel the plane. Now, my mind, the way it works, because I am kind of a systems and structure guy, I'm sitting here going, you had an hour and a half almost to fuel that plane up while we were flying back. But yet, we get back and, and we're sitting here waiting for it. So finally... They come, they fuel the plane, we fly, we get to St. Louis, we land, and we're way out on the tarmac, and we stop, and I've flown enough to know that when you stop way out there, something's not good. So the pilot comes on and says, sorry, folks, there's a storm coming through, and uh, you know, flight control, air traffic control's not letting any planes leave because of the storm front that's coming through, and there are no gates open, so we're just going to have to sit out here. That flight from LaGuardia ended up being a 12-hour flight that day. And what was most frustrating about it is I spent a majority of my time in, in something that was created for movement that was not moving. You and I, my friends, were created for movement. God didn't implement his desire for the church, for a corporate gathering like this to be something we sit in. He created it for movement. We're to be people that create movements, not just meetings. One Seed Church is about creating a kingdom movement in this culture, in the sphere of influence that God has given you. See, that's, that's what... Children of Israel. They could have sat there and looked like an army and not become an army. So, we have to realize what God has given us, what God has called us for. And we are living in the days where, where it's imperative. We are being we are being confronted with where is our faith 
Where is our confidence? Where is our trust in God? God knows us very well. For the sake of time, I, I can't read this, but just go and read Psalm 139, verses 1 through 5. It just reveals just how well God knows us. But the question isn't how well God knows us. The question really is how well do we know God? How well do we know him? Because that's where our faith really is established. That's where our faith will grow from. I love this uh, translation of Hebrews 11.1. 1. You probably remember now faith is the substance they hope for, the evidence of things not yet seen. I, I love this translation. It says, faith is the ability to see the invisible and believe in the incredible. Why can we believe in the incredible? Because God is incredible. God is amazingly incredible. I'm telling you, we will look back on these days as we journey forward. And this time will pass. It will pass. We'll get through this. It will, we'll look back and we'll say it was not quite as cataclysmic as the media put on. But we'll get through this. But what we'll get through is we'll say, there was some incredible things that God did. There's some incredible things that God did in me. There were some incredible things that God did in, in our communities, in our schools, in our organizations, in our city governments, in our national governments, all this, you know. I mean, here we are today, and the president has declared this day a national day of prayer. Focus. I, I think that's wonderful. Saying that this is where we're going to find the solution. This is where we're going to find our safety and our protection is in this place of prayer, in this place of crying out and calling out to the God who we serve. The God who has a hold on 2020. So, faith is the ability to see the invisible and believe in the incredible. In almost every challenge we face, Two things are revealed, our weakness and God's strength. And that's a good thing. I've learned that's a good thing. I'll, I'll close with this. Why don't you all stand with me? I don't know how you close, but I'm going I'm to have Pastor Jeff come up. Here's what I've learned about when you get into challenging times or when it feels like, like all of a sudden some things in your life get weighty. Most of the time what we want to try to do is how can we get rid of some of this weight? How can I get out from under this circumstance and get rid of the weight? There's just some things, some things in life that you can't get out from under the weight of it. It's a weight that you, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that you have to carry. It's like having kids. You know, when they grow, they become challenging. It's like, okay, I'm ready to get rid of them. Anybody ever been there? It was like a time to get rid of them. Well, you can't. Why? Because they're yours. You know, you can't pawn them off. Please don't pawn them off on the grandparents. I have six grandchildren. Please don't pawn them off on me. I love them. But one of the reasons I love them so much is because they're spending their time with you. So there's a certain things that we, we can't shirk the responsibility and the weight from. This is one of those times. But here's our focus shouldn't be on how do we get rid of the weight. Our focus is how do we get stronger. That's what I've learned. How, what do we need 
to grow stronger for the place in life that we are at. Let that be a focus. Let that be a challenge to you. Maybe some of you, I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it's just because of everything going on with, you know, the coronavirus and everything. Don't focus on what do I need to do to get strong? What do I need to do to keep fear out of my life? What do I need to do? See, I paid a high price to have the peace of God in my life. And God paid an even greater price so that I could have the peace of God in my life. So I'm going to do whatever I need to do to keep that peace in my life. I'm going to strengthen my life. I'm going to strengthen myself wherever I need to strengthen myself so that I can live in the peace of God. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone that's here today and everyone that couldn't make it that is a part of this body. I pray for the peace of God to rule in their hearts. That's what that Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said, let the peace of God, let the peace of God, let the peace of God. There's something that we have to do. We have to make a decision to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. I thank you that, that faith is released by the Spirit of God. I thank you that wisdom is released by the Spirit of God. I thank you that understanding is released by the Spirit of God into these people. And that's what they draw near to. I thank you, Lord, that, that they, they in these times, these days that we're living, I thank you that they draw near to you. They don't draw near to the, to the, the media and, and everything that's going on. I thank you that they're people of wisdom, but I thank you that they draw near to you. And that they're touched by your presence. They're touched by your love. That there is a confirmation within them, a conviction within them. That greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I thank you that there is this conviction that if God be for me, who or what can be against me? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us. We pray the message today roots deep into your hearts and leaves you inspired and encouraged for your upcoming week. If you'd like to partner financially with us, you can do so by going on 1cchurch.org giving. See you soon.